All right, guys, my name's Chris, and um, I have the incredible privilege of just being the new guy here at this incredible church in Salt Lake City, um, and uh, getting to lead this church with my wife, Arlena, uh, and our five kids, and who's just grateful for the presence of God being amongst his people. Just want us to, like, keep keep honor where, where honor is due, you know? Like, if God doesn't show up, it's not church, okay? Like, if he's not tangibly among us, it's karaoke or something else, right? Like, we are here to meet with God. The church is the house of God. And um, just, I felt like as we were worshiping during the last song, I just, I sensed the Holy Spirit say, as we were just declaring his resurrection, that you have no rival, you have no equal, death could not hold you. I just sensed the Lord saying, I am no ordinary God. So if you came to church this afternoon just expecting an ordinary Sunday, can we just toss that to the side, okay? Because he is no ordinary God. And I believe that he's got some amazing things for us um, as we dive into the word of God. Before we do, yesterday was our family's three-month mark. We've been in Salt Lake just three months now, okay? So if you're new to the church, so am I, all right? So... um, we, uh, we moved here from Texas this summer to be a part of what God's doing in the valley, and we are so honored and thrilled and excited, and um, so I figured I'd give you just a little family update and show you a, a couple of pictures. We're settling in well. I think we got a photo of us in front of our house. This is the Lord just miraculously gave us a beautiful home. Um, those are my five kiddos right there in the front. We've managed to get away on a date night. Next picture, me and Arlena um, have been able to actually have some connection as a, as a, in our marriage, which is huge since we do have five kids. That is challenging. Um, gotten out to explore with the boys. Next picture, I think, is me and my, my three oldest boys up at, uh, on the top of Lisa Falls, which is Little Cottonwood. We actually, my boys, we never go on hikes. We hike somewhere, and then they have to climb, right? And so they actually climb to the top of this little deal and incredible spot. Uh, We've been mountain biking a lot. That's new because Texas is flat, okay? So not a whole lot of mountain biking, not a whole lot of mountain biking where there's no mountains, Swayze, you know what I'm saying? So that's been a blast. Um, And then let's see, I think our our little baby, you got to see Brooks in the fall, his little cowboy hat. I mean, he just steals my heart, okay? Uh, And then Holland, my only daughter, she's been out in the yard because it's fall and there's a real fall here, right? And so we've been raking leaves like pretty much since we moved here and uh, Holland's been getting after it with us and she's just incredible. She was up here worshiping. Oh my goodness, I don't know if you saw her, but she's a powerful four-year-old anointed worship leader. Uh, And then the last picture is we took our first little trip up to the snow. There's my Texas boy doing his snow angel in shorts, all right? So... That's Caleb, my oldest. Um, but just want to say, we are, um, we're doing well. And it's encouraging to get to say that because this transition's been hard. I mean, if I, if, and we're an open book. I mean, I can tell you anything and everything, but, um, you know, moving your whole family cross country um, is, is not easy. It hasn't been easy, but we, it is absolutely 100% so worth it to say yes to Jesus and be a part of where he's calling you to be. And, and I love the family that he has let us land in here. Like, guys, we are so grateful to be here. And having a blast, I feel like I inherited an incredible team, Joe, Shannon, Jackson, Matt. Just stand up. If you're on the, the staff team that's been holding it together, come on, Whitehurst, Yanceys, all you guys. So we, seriously, 
these guys are phenomenal. Mallory, sorry I didn't see him, but just, we, we really have an incredible, incredible team. And I, I already feel a ton of love for you guys, and I'm so grateful just to get to be, um, be in it with y'all in this valley. It's crazy. But I'm having a blast. Y'all are amazing. And, um, you know, we, I shared earlier when we were kind of coming into worship that, you know, our, our vision, our why for this church in this valley is simple. We just want to, we want to see the name of Jesus lifted up. We want to see the name of the true Jesus lifted up. And when that happens, he, he draws people to himself into an encounter. He's the anointed one, right? He, we, he draws people to encounter his love, to encounter his mercy. So I'm telling your testimony right here. Somebody amen. To encounter his healing, to encounter his freedom, to encounter the security of knowing that you're a beloved child of God, right? This is an incredible gospel. It's called the good news for a reason, right? And so we're here to lift up the name of Jesus and to see people encounter his love. And he does all the heavy lifting and all the hard work, right? So we're excited. We are deep into a series called The Blueprint, okay? We've been, I think this is week eight of nine. So we got two weeks left, okay? How many of y'all been enjoying this series? Just give me a little encouragement real quick. All right, now, how many of you have felt stretched by this series a little bit. Just kind of be, be honest, okay? Now, they're, um, they're, we're talking about the blueprint because the, the church in the New Testament is the house of God, okay? And so houses are built off of blueprints, and we have the blueprint. It's the Word of God, right? We're not building what we want, okay? I didn't come to Salt Lake to do what I wanted to do. I just came to get behind the Word of God, the people of God, with the Spirit of God to build His house, okay? Because look, this is, it, it, and if it's been stretching, I want to encourage you because I felt it too. It's November, okay? It's just, we all had too much candy for Halloween or something. And if you felt a little weary, I just want you to, to know you're not alone. Okay, we are churning new ground here. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, churning, okay? We are tilling new ground here, okay? Or churning the, the milk until it becomes cream. I don't know where churning came from, but we're doing something that takes work, okay? So if you're a little tired and you're feeling a little stretched, Look, you're not alone, but listen, how many of you have ever built something that was really complex and important? A home, an engine, some Legos, okay, right? You build something that's important, okay, it's usually not very easy. Guys, what we're trying to do is not easy here, but I promise you, I promise you uh, if, that, that if we will press in and, and dig in and really, these next two weeks are critical. Hang in there with us, okay? Because I want to remind us why we are doing this, all right? Ephesians 2 says that when the people of God come together and build, it says it, the cornerstone is Jesus. We got to start there, okay? The, the, the foundation is built, it says, on the apostles and the prophets, okay? And then all of us come together, and the Bible says we're the living stones. And when we fit together, the Bible says when we fit together properly, we together on the foundation of Jesus and the apostles and prophets, we are built up, check this out, into a, a, a spiritual house, into a dwelling place for God. So I want to encourage you as to why this is so important, because church, listen to me, if we get this right, look, we're not building this so that 
people will want to come here. Okay, we're not building this so that the, you know, the masses will want to, want to flood in. We're building this so that he will want to be here. You know what I mean? And if we get this right, he dwells here just like you felt when we came into worship together in increasing measure. And when God's sitting over a place, man, I promise you the people are gonna come because how many of you know they're looking for an anointed one, y'all? They're looking for healing, okay? They're looking for answers. They're looking for solutions, okay? We're not the solution, but we know who is, okay? And so we just lift him up, we build his house, he hangs out here, and then he does the heavy lifting, amen? So check it out, we're gonna, we're gonna jump back in. We're gonna be in Proverbs 3. So I want you to flip your Bible or search on your screen, Proverbs 3, we're gonna read a few verses here and then dive right back in. This is part two of grace and holiness. We started this message last week. It's okay. I'm going to do a pretty decent recap, but you can always go listen to part one if you want. But part two of this blueprint, these next elements are, we've been talking about grace and holiness. So we're going to pick it up here in Proverbs three. Somebody say, my son, do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Say it with me. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and all the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Say it again with me. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. I came to tell you tonight that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God is holy. He is light. And in him is no darkness at all. He loves righteousness. He hates lawlessness, the scripture says. He came, the word became flesh and dwelt in the darkness, but made no agreement with the darkness. He was tempted in every single way as you and I are, and yet was without sin. God is holy. He is holy. And his entire gospel mission is actually to pull people out of darkness into his kingdom of light. You see, God is a good father who is raising set apart sons and daughters who will shape history and inherit his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we honor you. We magnify you. We lift up your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Your scripture says that you have exalted above everything your name and your word. So we lift you up, Father. We thank you for being good and faithful and kind and holy and true. Though every man be a liar, we thank you, Jesus, that you're our Savior, our Redeemer, the Prince of Peace, wonderful Counselor, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the Helper that lives inside of us. You dwell with us. You counsel us and lead us into all truth. And so we say thank you, God, for your word. 
Make us to know your paths. Your word is better to us than a thousand of gold and silver pieces. Your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. The unfolding of your word gives light. Your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. The sum of your word is truth. Every one of your righteous commands endures forever. So we say, God, we submit to your word. We invite your Holy Spirit and say, come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Any of you guys ever driven a car that was out of line, alignment? You're trying to go this way, car's trying to kill you. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about? A car that's badly out of alignment is pulling you where you don't want to go. Any of you guys ever uh, tried to play an instrument, a guitar that was out of tune? You picked it up and you thought something pretty was going to come out and it just came out nasty because a few of your strings were out of tune, out of alignment. Any of you ever had an injury, maybe separated something or needed to see a chiropractor, right? To get it adjusted back into alignment. Living with things out of alignment is painful. I was on a snowboarding trip my senior year of college. I was a youth leader with about 100 high school youth kids. It was day two. I had six days to snowboard, guys, okay? And on day two, like an idiot, I'm trying to learn how to do a 360 on my snowboard, okay? Hey, just word to the wise, all right? If you've got six days and you're from Texas and you're in the mountains of snowboard, don't be throwing 360s on day two. So I give in to the total peer pressure of a moment, go way too high up on the side of this mountain, come down and hit this jump with way more speed than I needed or should have, okay? And I just throw myself into no man's land. And I was going so fast, if you're a snowboarder or skier, jumps are built with a landing, okay? Because you don't want to land on flat ground. You want to land on a downslope. I was going so fast, y'all, that I cleared this whole landing and just came down from about 30 feet up in the air onto completely flat ground right here. Fully separated my right AC joint, everything all the ligaments, there's several of them that hold this whole thing together. To this day, if you came and felt my shoulder, you should know it is still separated. Living with things out of alignment is painful. Now, thankfully, in my case, the doctor said, hey, look, your other muscles will compensate over time and you'll be okay, most likely. But how many of you know that compensation, I mean, being out of alignment, it's, it's not the way you were intended to be, all right? still waiting on that miraculous healing, okay? But I'm actually don't really have, I don't really have a lot of pain, thank the Lord. But tonight is about realignment. Realignment with God through repentance. Repentance, very simply, is when we change our mind to come into agreement with God's mind. We change our thought processes to come into alignment with his thoughts, because we know his word says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, right? His ways are higher than our ways. So tonight is about alignment. If there's any area of our life or thinking that doesn't align with his word, then we're living out of alignment with what you were created to be, like the car pulling you off the road, right? Like the instrument out of tune. 
it's nasty to stay out of alignment. It's dangerous. So depending on how fast you're going down the road, okay, you don't want to stay out of alignment with your created purpose. Can I get an amen? He made you, he knows what breaks you, and he knows how to fix you, right? So this is why it says that God's kindness leads us to repentance, right? And look, repentance is not this scary word, okay? Repentance is an incredibly grace-saturated, merciful word about coming into alignment with the thoughts and ways of God, which is where you are going to find health in how he made you and how he created you. So right out of the gate, you should know that this entire message is leading us to a moment where we will have the opportunity to respond to God's kindness, to repent in any place where we're out of alignment, and to get adjusted. Isn't it amazing John 1 says that Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Check this out. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't it incredible that God's grace gave you the right to become what your sin forfeited. Your sin forfeited sonship with God. It forfeited my sin, Adam and Eve's sin. It forfeited actual, not just nearness and intimacy and the joy of the garden in paradise. Fundamentally, what our sin forfeited was our place in God's family, our sonship. How amazing is it? This was last week. We talked about the grace of God, that God's grace gave us the right to become his children again. What sin forfeited, the grace of God gave back to us. It's incredible. I was Woke up this morning and this old hymn was on my mind, It Is Well With My Soul. You guys know this. And, and there was this one verse that I just like, it, it, just, it just got me. You know, just sometimes you just like, you just, it's just where you need to be in that moment. And it's my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. That's the grace of God flowing through the cross of Jesus, washing your sin away so that you could become what your sin forfeited. Oh, his grace is so good. And what we began to explore last week, though, is that once the grace of God adopts us back into the family of God and gives us back that place of sonship, the Bible actually has a lot to say to us as God's children now. You see, grace rescued us from the darkness. When we were dead in our sin, the Bible says, we had nothing to do with the grace of God that saved us. But then it pulled us into his family and called us to be like the Father. That's called sanctification. So the grace of God that saved you when you could do nothing for yourself is the same grace that calls you to be holy, set apart like your Father, 
and sanctifies you. And so there is no house of God. There is no true house of God where holiness is not preached, where an invitation and a call to be holy is he is holy. And this is straight out of 1 Peter, okay? I want to I show you here. This is straight out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, as obedient, what? Children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, what? I thought I was in the grace of God, but wait, wait. I thought Jesus on the cross, like, my judgment was, hold on, wait, am I reading the right verse here? Wait, as obedient children, okay, if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Just so you know that I'm not trying to cherry pick scriptures here, listen, 1 Peter 1, this chapter starts with incredible mercy, okay? Incredible. It's a, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Come on, Phil Wickham. My living hope. You know what I'm talking about? He got that from 1 Peter 1, okay? Living hope is that the mercy of God has caused us to be born again. Now, I want to tell you, that, look, look, this is very important because if you try to be holy without being born again, it is very frustrating. And, and if you actually succeed, okay, then all, then all you're going to become is religious, okay? There are people that have become holy without being born again. They were called the Pharisees, okay? And they're very confusing, okay? It's a frustrating thing to pursue holiness if you're not born again, okay? But look, on the other hand, being born again and not pursuing holiness, okay, is miserable, Okay, because I got a newsflash for you. When you believed and received in Jesus, okay, the Bible says you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, okay? And he's a lot of different things, okay? But first of all, he's a holy spirit, okay? So when you got saved, I, this is so encouraging and empowering. You need to receive this. When you got saved, when you called on the name of the Lord and he adopted you out of darkness and put you in his family, listen, listen, he put holiness inside of you. So if you're born again, there is already in you a hunger to be holy as he is holy. Look, this is the mercy of God. It's the grace of God that saves us. It's the grace of a Holy Spirit inside of us that sanctifies us, okay? Now, our job is as holiness, as the Spirit of God is pushing us to holiness, we say, have your way. And we let him, we let him push us, correct us, and make us holy. And so, it's like saying to a child of God, be holy for I am holy, is like saying, you swim because you're a fish. Bark because you're a dog. Grow because you're a tree. Are, are you with me? Okay? Are, are you with me? 
It is what you were born again to become. Okay? So it's, a, it's very simple. If there's not any hunger for holiness inside of you, you need to get born again. Okay? If you're born again, all the hunger you need to be holy is inside of you. And you just need to let it make you holy, okay? And we're going to talk about how to do that, okay? So, but here's what I want to say. That, um, guys, let me figure out where I am right here. I just want to say briefly, I don't want to camp here. I'm not, I'm not trying to be angry, okay? But look, in a time of great uh, cultural confusion, okay, religious deconstruction, okay, uh, spiritual relativity, okay, we live in, in, in confusing times out there. But church, I, I want to tell you, in, seriously, in gentleness in my heart, okay, it is not unclear in the word of God. It is incredibly clear. I just want to throw you a couple verses, okay? 1 John 2, 3 says, by this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Why? Because if you've been born again and holiness is inside of you, it, you actually have the power to keep his commandment. You actually want to. You've been born again. You're not the same. Okay, he goes on in chapter three. He says, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Ouch. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. God's seed, that's the Holy Spirit, okay? He says he cannot keep on sinning. This is the word of God, you guys. I'm, I'm literally just reading it off the page. He cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Do you see how powerful being born again is? Listen, by this, say, it is evident. Say, it is evident. Church, it is not confusing in here. Okay, look, I told you we we're gonna get a realignment today, okay? It is confusing out there in the swirl of culture and all the forces of darkness and, and stuff, the, relative, the moves against the word of God. Yes, it is incredibly, incredibly confusing if you scroll on Instagram all day long instead of getting your face in the book. It's incredibly confusing. But in here, it's very clear. Very clear. It is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. I'm still just reading the scripture, okay? This is not me. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. All right? It is clear. Child of God, it is clear. You are called to be holy. Sorry. You are called to be born again. <laughs> If you have never called on the name of the Lord and been born again, that is your application for this message today. You don't need to listen to what I'm about to say because I'm talking to the children here. If you've never been born again, you need to be born again today. If you've been born again, your calling is clear. Be holy. How cool is it that God already put holiness inside of you, though, guys? This is not a weighty thing. This is not a weighty burden. He's so merciful. And look, it says in Philippians 3, just, can, can we just bind any condemnation or religion or any funkiness real quick? Okay, just check this out. Okay, here comes the grace of God back in the room. Are you guys ready? Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has what? 
made me his own already, brothers. I don't consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Come on, somebody. Forgetting what lies behind and straining where? Forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ, which, by the way, he tells us what the upward call of God in Christ is in this next verse, verse 15. Let those of us who are mature, children of God, you are called to maturity. You are called to leave the milk of your mama's side and develop an appetite. You are to grow up and raise yourself up into the full stature. Ephesians 4 says, men, come on, I'm talking to men for a second, into the full stature of manhood. Men of God, I know I've only been here three months. I hope you know that I love you. A lot of you I have not gotten to know that well yet, but I'm telling you as a brother that has not become perfect yet, okay, I'm with you on the journey. Do you hear my heart? I have, look, I can't even tell you some of my worst moments of this past week in just the, the, the stress and strain of, of fatherhood, okay, because there's not enough context right now, okay? You would just probably leave, okay? I am on the journey with you, and, and there has been some of my flesh that has emerged in different scenarios, okay? I am not preaching this at you. I am preaching this with you, okay? So, but men of God, we are, are called to mature manhood. And I am gonna ask you men in about 10 minutes when we respond, I am going to unashamedly invite you to maturity. I am going to call you up as a brother and say, men of God, your calling is maturity. Your calling is maturity. Paul himself was on this journey. He's the one writing this, by the way, right? In other places, he said, I have left behind childish ways that I might attain to manhood, to full maturity. Oh, men, we got to be mature. We cannot be messing around with childish ways, guys. You were born for such a time as this, men. Oh, my gosh. You were called to fight real battles in a real spiritual war that is really going on around us right now in this valley. We can't afford for you to be playing fake games and fake battles somewhere else, okay, and engaging with a conflict because you feel like you don't have enough as a man to engage in the real war. Men, I'm telling you, as a brother, you have what it takes. You do have what it takes to stand and fight in these days as a man, not by yourself and not in isolation, but if you will link arm with your brothers, men of God, God is calling us to rise up, men. This city is orphaned. I've only been here for three months, but all I know is that most of the men between 20 and 35 in this city still live and look like boys. Let it not be in the house of God. You are called to mature manhood. Do you hear my heart for you? Okay. That is, I have four sons of my own. And my job is to raise them up to be men of God. 
And I'm gonna show you how good fathers do that, all right? So there's three primary roles to the good father in heaven, our heavenly father. And if you're a dad, dads wave at me. If you're a dad in the room tonight, just so you know, this is an incredible, just sort of basic blueprint for you to start your fatherhood off. I'm not deep diving this now, but sneak peek, uh, after Thanksgiving, we're going into a four-week Advent series, okay, called He Shall Be Called, because God's called us to exalt the names of God over this valley. So during the four weeks of Advent, we're going to be exalting four different names of God that this valley needs breakthrough in, and one of them is Everlasting Father. So in a few weeks, I'm going to deep dive the Father, but right now, this is just like a little taster. There's three things our Father in Heaven does. There's a slide for this, I believe. He shows affection, he speaks identity, and he brings correction. Here's the beautiful thing about God, is that he is a perfect father, all right? He's the only one, in case you were wondering. So dads, let yourself off the hook, okay? But we need to imitate him as we are called to be his children, right? Be holy as I am holy. So that means, dads, we are called to imitate a perfect father who perfectly balances in his heart to his sons, showing affection, speaking identity, and bringing correction. And you can see, if you're just lovey-dovey, affectionate all the time, okay, but you never hold the line or call your sons to obey, okay, that's probably not going to go super well with your boys, right? On the other hand, if you discipline your sons without being a teddy bear affectionate daddy who speaks identity over who they are in God, then you might be abusing them more than you're disciplining them. These things have to be together, intention, and they are in God's heart, okay? But listen to the Father heart of God. <clears throat> the reason we're going here is because the blueprint of God's house falls apart if there's not a clear call to holiness. I, I've, I feel like I've said that a couple times, but, but that's what, just so you know, that's what we're seeing in the American church right now. The American church is already crumbling. Why? Because historically, in the, in the near recent past, we have not been calling people to holiness. We haven't. We're real big on the grace, and then we just kind of sit in the greasy grace pool, and we just keep doing the stuff that we did in our old dark days. And look, Ephesians 4 says this, it's clear as day, I testify in the Lord, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to hardness of heart. They become callous. They've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But look, that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming, oh, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self. Look at this, look at this. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and 
Oh, you've already been created to be holy in your new self. Do you know that? Do you know that? And so what you get to do is you get to partner with the work of God in your life. This is where you come in. You get to partner with this holy work inside of you by allowing God to discipline you. Right? Did you notice all the family language that we're talking about? Okay, look, this is so important fathers, sons, even in Philippians 3, he said, brothers, I'm not saying that I've arrived yet. I'm with you. Do you see, are you hearing all the family language? If you take what I'm about to say outside of a relational context with God, who is a good father, who has already loved you to the death of his one and only son, your brother, who pulled you out of hell and darkness into his family, if you take what I'm about to say out of a relational context with God, you're going to veer off into a bunch of different errors. Are you with me? God has called us to holiness as our father. Proverbs 3, my son. We read this in the beginning. My son. Can you please hear the heart of the father calling to you? Sons and daughters, listen. Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. That just means correction. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Are you hearing the family language here? Hebrews 12, he goes on. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and daughters. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, he was writing a long time ago, okay? <laughs> I don't think we're living in the same day. Then you are illegitimate children and not sons if you're not disciplined, okay? Besides this, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. He disciplines us, somebody say it with me, for our good that we may share his what? Child of God, it is not confusing. You are called to be holy. You are called to be holy. For our good that we may share his holiness The moment, at the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. So look, if you're feeling uncomfortable, if you're feeling convicted right now by this message, if you're feeling some pain, stay there. You're in an okay spot. Look, God didn't say come to church and just get inspired and encouraged all the time. Okay, look, affection, identity, correction. Man, you, you, you gotta know he's already loved you, right? I mean, the blood of Jesus on the cross, do we need to, do we need to go anymore that God is crazy in love with you? Oh man, I'm real convinced, guys. Okay? Do we need to go beyond that he's already spilled his blood for you, that you, know, that you will finally believe that he loves you? And do we need to go beyond every single passage of the Bible in the New Testament that says, and and you're a son, you're a saint, I believe in you, he's speaking identity, and then look, look, in the context of his love for you, in the context of who he's calling you and said that you are, he is not afraid to spank your little bottom sometimes, okay? He is not afraid to correct you. Four thoughts on discipline. We got a slide up here. Take a picture if you want. Four thoughts on discipline. 
Oh, my, my, my brothers and sisters, it is a sign of his love, not his anger. Oh my gosh, if God has his finger on some area of your life and he's disciplining you and saying, stop it, let it go, surrender that. Oh my gosh, he's not angry at you, he loves you. It is a sign of his love. Number two, it is fundamental to our sanctification that we let God correct us. You cannot be made holy if you will not let him move you that way. Number three, it is not fun to be disciplined, okay, at the moment. But number four, check this out, guys. It will produce fruit in your life if you let it train you. The Bible actually says, I think it's, it said in, in, what is it? The peaceful fruit of righteousness. Oh, come on, somebody, because the kingdom of God Say it with me if you know the scripture, Romans 14. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness. First thing he says, peace. Second thing he says, and joy in whom? In the Holy Spirit. Because unless you got a Holy Spirit inside of you, you ain't never gonna be holy. I hate to break it to you, okay? But once you let that Holy Spirit shape you, correct you, and make you who God called you to be as his child, you step into the righteousness of his kingdom. And guess what? Upon the righteousness of God that is at the foundation of his throne, guess what? You can have a peaceful life. Remember righteousness, peace, and joy. You can't build peace where there's no righteousness. You can't build joy where there's no peace. So let him spank your butt, discipline you into righteousness. Come on, church, and get your peace and joy back in the Lord. Because you were made to be holy as he is holy, man. Dogs bark because they're dogs. Birds fly because they're birds. Trees grow because they're trees. Children of God, born again, become holy as he is holy. And so here's the deal. Proverbs, where are we? One eleven ten. Check this out. I want you to stand with me, and we're going to respond. Band, come, come join me up here. Psalm 111, verse 10, says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it. That's a funny way to say that. Huh. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise into us forever. Oh, let's read that again. What a great verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Church, we're gonna practice the fear of the Lord. We're gonna practice the word for, uh, in Hebrews 12, when it says, um, those who have been trained by the Father's discipline, that word for training is gymnazo, okay? It was the Greek word for the Olympic athletes, okay? That, that they, they, they literally go to the gym and they would train. That's why 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, it says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Do you know that the root word of discipleship is discipline, okay? Look, Jesus had a lot of crowds around him, guys. He had a lot of followers around him, guys. He had a very small number of disciples. The difference between a disciple and somebody in the crowd is that a disciple is willing to be disciplined by the Father. 
until he is shaped. The word discipline, it is a shaping word. It's like the blacksmith heating up that metal in the fire, right? And then hitting it with the hammer. He's shaping something. And I want you to know, son and daughter of God, he is shaping you to be a sword in these days. We do not need soft, compromised Christians flirting with their old darkness when the world around us is sliding into the darkness and it seems like a faster rate than ever. We need sons and daughters of God that will say, Lord, I yield to you, Father. You are good. Make me holy as you are holy. Here's how you practice the fear of the Lord. It's very, very simple. Three things. Here's how you practice the fear of the Lord. There's a slide. Allow his word to correct you. Allow his spirit to convict you. And allow his people to challenge you. I want to invite our life group leaders, PLT, okay, our prayer team. We're going to respond. I told you at the beginning, this is a realignment Sunday. And if there's any place where the Lord's highlighting repentance, these guys are available to pray. Now, I will say, if you're walking up to be on this prayer team right now, one of the most humble, humble moves you can ever do if you're standing up in front on a prayer line, one of the most humble moves you can ever do is this. I am not assuming that all the people up here are in no need of repentance. So I'm trusting you. I love you. This is a place of grace and holiness. I hope you feel the spirit of God that's in the room. If you're up here and you need to repent, then just, just your leaders, take care of it. PLT, if you're on the board here. But listen, this is how we practice the fear of the Lord. We allow his word to correct us. We allow his spirit to convict us and his people to challenge us. Can I please tell you how serious repentance is to Jesus? Matthew 11, somebody in our body had a vision this two weeks ago, had a vision after our Sunday in the park, woke up the next morning, saw the face of lady, one of the ladies that got a hot dog at the park, saw her face and she said, Matthew 11. For the last two weeks, we've been praying into this vision saying, Lord, why Matthew 11? What are you saying? What are you saying? Matthew eleven eighteen through 20. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Look, look wisdom is justified by her deeds. Look, verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done. Why? Because they did not repent. Our city's never going to repent if our churches don't repent first. Come on. Father, we invite the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Word of God, have your way. We say, Father, we trust you, and we yield to your realignment in Jesus' name.